Friendshipping is proud to be part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. This episode is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everybody. I almost forgot the script there, but then I remembered it at the end. Get it for free on the App Store. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping. And the theme this week is... Bonding together through difficult times. Aren't we all? Truly. Friendship between humans has many benefits. But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits. Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits. View friendship at the problem. Jen. Trin. I understand you have something you want to say? Yes. As the document says in all green, slanted, bold right now, I have an announcement. And that announcement is, drumroll please. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a drumroll. It just sounds like we're being vile, but okay. (laughs) Uh, The announcement is, uh, what I'm going to say is that I'm trying to purr happily this as much as I can. Uh, I started Animal Crossing, everyone. You can all calm down. You can stand down. You can put your pitchforks away. Um, you don't have to. You don't have to uh, tweet at me. The come on, Jen. Even though I think it's really cute, you don't have to do that anymore. I literally just started Animal Crossing, and uh, now my my console dingus dingus needs to charge. But um, just I'm met so excited. Just met Timmy and Tommy. Uh, ah! I I immediately got overwhelmed by where to put my tent, and then I was like, all right, that's enough. I already have decision fatigue. So we're gonna see how this goes. <laughs> but last night I was in bed husband was outside uh not outside he was in the living room i didn't kick him outside you i like I, the I, living room feels like as close to outside <laughs> as anybody gets anymore you yes, know exactly. the fact that <laughs> like we were the frontier the fact that we were in the same room is the is the like a big deal um so he was playing his video games his sports video games and i was in bed and i had my laptop and mavi was curled up next to me but i was a little out of it like sort of sort of sleepy not sober, and I, I moved, I picked up my laptop and moved it to the side, and I forgot that Mavi was right next to me. I can't believe I forgot, because she's always right next to me, and I hit, I hit her cute little head with my laptop, Ooh, and she, baby. oh man, she, got, not only did she get up and move, she got up and left the room, and I felt <laughs> so bad. I hammed it up. I was like, no, John, come help. I hurt the dog. Like, I was hamming it up, but inside, I actually sincerely felt terrible, and oh, man, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm so sorry. Man, I when I adopted Mavi, I promised to give her shelter, feed her, and not drop things on her. And here I violated number three. <laughs> oh I'm God. so sorry, Mavi. <laughs> Jen, you are so sweet and wonderful. Oh my God. <laughs> like I'm constantly stepping on my fucking cats, you know? Oh man. Jen, I, I agree with you that like the smallest things that we would be able to bounce back from right away, like they hit so much harder. It's really like we're we're navigating the world covered in bruises already. Yes. So like every time something hits us, it hits a fucking bruise. It doesn't matter where in your body it hits. Your body's a bruise right now, guys. It's okay if you need to take the evening to ice your your entire body down by playing a gentle video game or crocheting a gigantic ADHD blanket as I've been doing. Oh, oh my god, Jen, this thing is so huge. It's it's bigger than my couch and I uh I am now crocheting. I continue to crochet it out of spite, I would say. I now hate this blanket. I don't need a blanket anymore. And I no longer find crocheting all that relaxing because I just want I right now I'm just trying to get rid of all of the yarn that I have that oh, matches the got blanket. It, got it. Yep. It's like the size of a circus tent. What what color is it? Can you describe it for me? It is four different colors. It is light blue, 
dark blue. Uh, a off-white called Aran, which seems vaguely racist <laughs> to me. I was about I'm not to say sure. that, yeah. <laughs> right? And then and then gray. And the gray is called true gray, which also feels a little racist. Like, why do you need to specify that this is the true gray? Yeah, as opposed um, to what? <laughs> so speaking of knitting, I don't knit, but I had the impulse to do it yesterday because... Um, well, actually, here's another example of silly small things hitting harder because we're all bruised. I went outside to check on my on basil, the basil, and yeah. uh, man, we had a we had a cold snap, and yeah. she's a little wilted. Oh, she's like she, she'll come back. Yeah, I know, but I was like, oh, my impulse right now is to knit you a little blanket and scarf and <laughs> a cute little plant hat. Oh, basil, hang in there, hang in there, basil, you can do it. Spring's rough, man. And like, and this isn't just like, you know, climate version 2.0. It's just Chicago spring is is always a like hit or miss. She's you know, a we fickle get, mistress. She really is. We either get like three months of rain and like cold, which is kind of what we have right now. And I love it. <laughs> to tell you the truth, because I hate summer. Or we have <laughs> or we have one week of just like torrential Noah's Ark fucking flooding. And then it's hot from goddamn March until September. And I'm glad we don't have that this year. Me too. Yeah, Mavie will come in and it'll just be like, what What have you been doing? How did you get mud over there? Like, whoa, what's been going on outside? All right. Well, I guess I'll guess you need to be cleaned up. Hey, should we do questions? We got some great ones. Yeah, it's springtime. We're all muddy and it's time to give some friendship advice. Jen, <laughs> which question do you want to read this week? I'll do the first one. How about that? Yeah, hit it. You got it. Question one. Someone in a sorority once told me the reason they haste is to create quick friendships within a pledge class. Going through that stressful situation together forms a deeper, more personal bond that they would have not had otherwise. I've always thought this is dumb and hazing is horrible, but it's been on my mind lately because of the pandemic. Some of my colleagues have quickly become what feel like very close friends in the last few weeks. We talk about deeply personal and emotional things, and we are in contact a lot more often, even outside of work. Can you wax poetic about relationships very quickly becoming closer in the pandemic? Do you have thoughts about navigating boundaries in these changing relationships? I am particularly worried about treating a colleague inappropriately for a work environment, like treating them like my close friends, since I am suddenly feeling a lot closer to them. Do you think these new friendships will last after the world becomes more normal again? I think that what ultimately is the consequence of, of the situation of being in, in stress is that you just know them better. You know information about them that you would not have in a normal situation. So it's, it's just kind of like um, when you cross the streams of anything, you know, like when you bring your friends to a family party or you meet your World of Warcraft friends in real life. There's now another layer. There's now more information that you know. So it would make sense to me that these relationships would actually remain close because there's no taking that away. Yeah. When we return to whatever normality looks like, you will still have that really wonderful information, that like knowledge of, of, of who they are. But I agree with you, Asker. I think that hazing is very different and is terrible. Jen, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, we should definitely, since hazing was brought up in this question, we should use it as an example of how what not to do. So basically, hazing is just bullying that's well organized. It's kind of like skipping a few steps, you know? If you went through something difficult, you learn more about them that you wouldn't learn if you were just like going out for coffee. Trin, you and I became closer friends because we did uh, Gen Con and we were hilariously understaffed at the time and we were just so stressed and had so much to do and we got to know each other through through all that difficulty. But the difference between like that and like hazing, in hazing there is an aggressor and there's a victim and that is not how you build a friendship. 
Right. When Gen Con is the aggressor. Yeah, Gen it's Con fine. was the aggressor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Because like we went to and we went into that situation just not knowing that we were understaffed. It wasn't that we like we just had no idea the amount of work that was happening. Because I think it was all our first Gen Con altogether. Yep, totally. So like it was kind of like our guinea pig run sort of thing. And I feel this way about my fellow PAX enforcers. I, I haven't in a while, but I, I used to be a, um, a, a volunteer staffer at um, this gaming convention, Penny Arcade Expo. And, you know, you do form this bond because, you know, it's work and it's hard and it's a new situation sort of thing. But in situations like a difficult event, the enemy is the situation. We band together in the face of adversity. But if your friend is the adversity, yes. that's a fucking problem. Yes, exactly. Man, if there's embarrassment and pressure and aggression involved, that's not um, that's not friendship. That is that's just bullying. Before we started recording, we talked about some situations that could have leaned hazing, but they actually leaned team building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jen, you start. Yeah, yeah. So one of them for me was on a cross country team once we would all after like sharing around a bonfire and having moments and talking about goals, we would all hold hands and jump in a lake together. And we also did it at night, which made it very mysterious and scary. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was low pressure. Um, at least I hope it was. Um, and it was it was more team building rather than trying to make anyone feel like they had to do this to be in the club. Right. With my situation, I was in an elite singing group in high school because I was not cool like Jen and not an athlete. <laughs> So all of the quote unquote girls uh, were all hanging out. So it was like, you know, eight of us or something like that. And we decided to go do some low stakes vandalism on the boys homes. I think I talked about this on the show before, even because it's such a delightful memory. Like we didn't do anything wrong. You know, like it was we, we got sidewalk chalk and it was, again, the middle of the night. It was a big sleepover with just the girls in my house. And we well, piled in my my K car. And we we went to like their houses in the middle of the night and we wrote stuff on their uh, driveways like Colin's so gross. Ew, <laughs> JK, love you from the girls. And then we'd like we would TP one bush just to show that we we meant it yeah. and then, yep. like, leave to the next house. And it was delightful. One of the girls like lost her shoe and we had to go back. And and because it was, again, it's very low stakes danger, you know, like we were terrified that like, oh, we're going to get caught. But like, ultimately, it wasn't it wasn't bad. And yep. it also wasn't peer pressure. We all agreed to it. The reason why these things work and are fun and are different from hazing is one, it's, it's a group activity and there's no tears. So there's no like the older girls are making the younger girls do this because younger girls got to prove to the older girls that you're cool enough and you're down. Like, no, like we didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And that's true of Jen, too. So you have this you had a tradition. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly. like everybody better do this or you're a bad person. It was just like, hey, let us welcome you into this thing we do every year. And I really feel like that could take the place of hazing really easily. And I think we need to step in on these teens that are just like traumatizing each other, you know, because like in high school, it's really like they just keep all the teens in the same building so that they can learn how to be humans in together, you know, rather than like fucking up around people who do know how to be people. But when you get to college, if you're like 22 and you're welcoming an 18 year old in, dude, you are in a different life phase. And if you are making an 18 year old pound vodka to get into your cool club, you're actually an asshole and an abuser. Yeah, I was going to use the word abuse, too, because, uh, yeah, that's what that is. You're making them hurt themselves for uh, the greater good of your enjoyment. It's pretty fucked up. Good 
fucking question from this asker, though. Damn. I, I really I understand the connection being made. And there absolutely is one like going through adversity together does bond you. You learn new things. I think you also have a heightened sense of empathy for that person because people are always going through trauma. And people will act out and be snippy because of that trauma. But because you don't know about it and you're not going through it together, it is sometimes difficult to empathize with that person and to write them off as like mean. But when you're both going through it, like this pandemic, like, you know, something cute, like a team building thing, um, I just think that that's the bonding component and not the fact that you're being hazed. Exactly. We're all going through the pandemic. We're all aware of it. We're all struggling. We don't all have the same struggles. Not all struggles are made equal, but there's no one that's not affected by this right now. Absolutely. I mean, unless they're one of the protesters yeah. that's going out yeah. protesting science, I guess. It's like, what are you what are you protesting? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you're right to your right to go to Applebee's. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, you're we talking about uh, the shared enemy is the event. Well, the shared enemy right now is the pandemic and the Republicans. Yeah, right. It really is. God. Man, I wish I could have more empathy um, for that mindset, uh, but I never will. You don't need to add more trauma into anybody's life. The trauma will happen naturally. Yeah, honestly, just being a, a person in this world, the trauma will take care of itself. Don't worry. The Eskers brought up something really interesting, too. They were talking about like boundaries right now, because if we're all feeling closer and more sensitive and emotional, at least some of us are. I mean, Trin, you know, you and I are, so we can probably safely assume that other people are, too. Oh, yeah. How do you how do you navigate boundaries with people, especially coworkers? Because, you know, that that's not this a coworker is not the same as like a regular friend. If you don't get along with a coworker, it can affect your job. If you don't get along with a friend, if you have a fight with a friend, Presumably, it will not affect your uh, the status of your health insurance or where you go to work every day. So there are definitely some special considerations, things to keep in mind when it comes to sharing and being respecting the privacy of coworkers. Don't be surprised if a coworker doesn't share even after you share, because some people just don't want to bring the details of their personal and private life to the workplace, uh, even over Zoom, even during a pandemic. It's just how some people are. And I think my my practical piece of advice would just be. Even as you're sharing, even as you're bonding, make sure to give people an out. Like if you're like, you know, asking how are you is a pretty, pretty standard, not intrusive question. But if you start asking about the details of, I don't know, their, their children and how homeschooling is going or how, how they're, I don't know, I can't, I'm having a hard time thinking of like what a too personal question would be. But that's kind of the point, right? You don't really know what's too sensitive and what's too personal. Right, right. I think that the asker, one, a great question. And, and two, I think that the asker... When they are wondering how these new friendships will last after the world becomes more normal again, my suggestion to you would be to try not to worry about it right now because it's not going to get normal anytime soon. I don't want to be a bummer, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I just think that maintaining that sort of class solidarity with your coworkers, I think, is really important. And remembering that they are people who are going through struggles that you can't see, you know, you can see this struggle, but there will be continuing struggles that you can't. Really, I think keeping an open mind, doing the best you can with the information that you have and being an empathetic person is really just those are the tools that you're going to need no matter what. One more thought on this before we move on to the next question, which I also am excited to do. If there's someone listening to this who is maybe not bonding right now or maybe not bonding with their coworkers or deepening their friendships or feeling particularly close, that is also acceptable. Like this is not this is un- unprecedented. We've never been through this before. and um, 
it's okay if you friendships are not the priority right now. I don't think you should abandon the people that are close to you right now. I really think you should reach out to them. But please don't put undue pressure on yourself to feel like you need to be this perfect shining friend because um Trin, like like you said, the the phrase environmental damage, we're all we're all being inflicted with it. All right. Should we do the next one? I don't see why not. Let's do it up. Your turn. Hi, Jen and Trin. I'm she, her, early 30s. I've been off of work for the last six or seven weeks on disability leave due to some ongoing mental health issues. This time off has been so beneficial. I'm feeling a lot more in control of my thoughts and have made some really important changes, including medication and therapy to my routines. First of all, fuck yes. I just want to I just want to add that. OK, all right. Come back. The problem is that I'm an essential worker and I have likely left my coworker slightly in the lurch by needing this time off during all this COVID stress. I'm planning on returning to work in little over a week, and I'm really worried about how my coworkers will respond to me after this time off. I'm worried that as soon as someone asks what's been going on or where I've been, I'll burst into tears as I'm still feeling really sensitive. Also, a lot of my anxiety comes from a place of wanting to control what people think of me, as in I want people to understand and to like me. Is there anything I can do or say to ward off questions or comments? Return to work woes. Oh, man. The first thing I want to say is I'm so glad you took leave. I'm so glad you found it helpful. And I'm going to issue a reminder uh, just to off the top of my head. It's not like you were on a vacation to an island here. You were taking leave. But even if you were on a vacation and you were not taking leave, your colleagues should support that, too. That is what PTO is. Absolutely. PTO or time off for um, health, those sorts of things. That's not we call them benefits sort of thing, which makes them which makes it feel like it's like this special sprinkle that we get on top of like the Sunday that our, our employers give us. No, PTO, mental health leave, all those things. That's part of your compensation. You didn't take anything from anyone. This was part of what you are owed. You are given you were given what you need. You didn't leave them in a lurch. If they were in a lurch, that is your supervisor and your management's problem, because the reason why we have them at all, why we have somebody that we pay a lot more to make schedules and things like that is so that they manage resources and scheduling. And if they didn't do that for you, then they fucked up and that is their fault. So I can tell by the tone of your question that it will be difficult for you to be indignant because of the supervisory management, I know that it will be difficult for if somebody says, hey, where have you been? And you say, oh, I was I was gone or whatever. And they're like, oh, you left me in a lurch. And you're like, well, fuck the manager for not giving you the help that you need. I know that that's hard. You know, yeah, I hope that you can at least approach the situation knowing that, my God, are you 100 percent not at fault here? No, not at all. And I hate I hate so much that, that you're shouldering so much of this emotional burden and stress over it because. I mean, what kind of manager do you have? Managers are meant to make your life easier. They are. They don't, but that's what they're supposed to do. Right. Managers are supposed to push obstacles out of your way, they're supposed to make your path clear. They're supposed to make your goals clear. They're supposed to communicate and help you do the job you can do so you can make money and then retire and play Animal Crossing all day. Okay? <laughs> it's true. That's you're what totally you're supposed right. to do. You're yeah, when totally I, have, right. I, I I'm a manager and I've, I struggle with uh, I struggle with this because the thing I want to ask people the most when I have one-on-ones on my team, the thing I want to emphasizes what do you need? What do you need in order to be happy at work, in order to do your job well? What tools do you need? What can I provide? Because that's the job of the manager. That's why it's called managing. You're managing the skills and the resources and the people on your team to make the job go smoothly for them. 
And you didn't mention a manager at all in this question, yeah. which seems like a bad sign. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, it may be that this is a type of position that has, um, you know, perfectly lateral. Everybody's on the same. Everybody gets paid the same. Everybody does the same work. I just strongly doubt that. Like the essential workers that I know of are, you know, they work in grocery stores and those have managers. They work in hospitals and those have administrators. They work in uh, construction and they have managers and supervisors. I I mean, I, I really feel like it would make sense that you have a boss that is making a shit ton more money than you or any of your coworkers. Your CEO is making more money than your bosses. Tell them, take it up with your manager and your CEO. Ask those two people, like, why do you need a shit ton of money while I break my mind and body trying to get done the work of three people by myself? Fuck that. I don't have an answer for that. You know, there's there's no <laughs> there's no immediate solve beyond like, hey, as a class, workers need to be more understanding and empathetic towards one another and more willing to go to their manager's house and tear apart that house brick by brick until they are given what they need. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just so mad because like it's also clear from the question that this person is not even ready to go back to work yet. If you are saying that if somebody asks you where you've been and you might burst into tears, that means you need more time off and you're and you're only not taking it because mental health leave is insufficient in this country. Yeah. I mean, you are spending some of your leave worrying about work. Right. (laughs) That sucks. That's that leave should not be about that. Leave should not be about work. I just hope like some of these things we're saying can like make you stand a little taller, feel a little strength, knowing that you didn't do anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong. You didn't take anything from everyone. You were simply given what you need, not not even fully what you need, really. And when you return to work, to know in your heart, internalize this, say this a million times to yourself if you have to, that you're okay. You're not a bad person. You didn't do anything wrong. Try not to let the societal pressure that we're all meant to believe uh, change your mind about that. I really hope that you are welcomed back with, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you, or I missed you, or something like that. Like, nice things. I really hope that. So, Jen, let's talk about some things people might say and some reactions people might have. One, there's the best case scenario, the correct scenario, which is people who are understanding and who realize that time off is given when uh, there is injury, trauma, or things like that. If you were in a coma for six to seven weeks or you had a you know broken legs and a hip that you needed to be in the hospital for a while, they'd be understanding about that. The only the difference is that they cannot see your mental health. Um, and man, I, so did the, did the question indicate whether or not they are comfortable explaining where they were? I don't think they have to, but. I don't think they have to either. No, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I would say um, if you have any uncertainty, play your cards close to the vest here, you know? Yeah. Let's think about scripts. And I, even though it's not fair that you have to have scripts, you know, you I shouldn't agree. have to defend yourself or anything. But I think it might make you feel a little better if you're equipped with some, some scripts in your back pocket and you can practice them. You can practice saying them in your head. Get in the, the silly Wonder Woman pose in front of your mirror and say the words, oh, I was just taking some leave or I took some leave that I needed. I'm back now. Good to see you. Yeah. I took some leave for my health. I was on, yeah, leave for my health. If you don't want to specify mental health, um, It sucks that the world's that way and it's not your fault that that feels weird, even though it isn't weird. And it's super cool that you did this because now you're going to be a better functioning person. You'll be happier and you'll make the world around you happier because you did this. Reminder, like you did the world a favor by taking care of yourself. I'm sorry. I was about to talk about scripts, but then I just was like, my God, like I know we say this all the time, like one functional, kind, uh, balanced human being in the world does so much good. Like, it's just it's so it it angers me so much that 
the world is set up that society will ask you to justify yourself when, man, you really don't need to. Yeah. You don't have to justify your existence. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you don't have to give away any information you don't want. So saying health leave is is fine. And saying like, you know, it was rough and I don't want to talk about it. Or saying, you know, I really, really needed it. I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to go into it yet or something like that. Like if you want to punt this, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you didn't mention... um you know, like we said, you didn't mention management or HR or anything. But is there anyone even not above you, maybe someone, a coworker that you do feel a little bit close and trustworthy of, you can maybe say, hey, I need some support in um, getting back in the groove. And then you can decide what that means. Maybe there's a friend there that can change the subject if it comes up. Or there's a friend there that can introduce you to the new people that have joined the staff. Or just someone that will I don't know, be a good deflection or a good distraction. Like, are there people there to lean on? And maybe not. Not every you don't have to be friends with your coworkers. You might be. Uh, I, I almost said you might be in this alone, but that's not true. You have Jen and Trin behind you. Yeah. Oh God, we are so behind you. We are. We we have uh, you on our shoulders, one butt cheek on either shoulder. We are lifting you up into the sky so you can get more UV rays to uh, produce vitamin D, which will help your brain function. Um, dude, like. God, I man, if you want to lie, I think that's okay. Oh, yeah, it's totally okay to lie. I mean, yes, 100%. We are so, man, this is why we're not professionals, right? Because I don't know if it's okay to give white lies, but I really think it is. Here's the thing, though. We try to give realistic advice. We try to give advice that you are comfortable with. We actually can't really insist that you kick down the door at work and be like, I deserved this leave. And fuck all of you for not turn totally. up leaving. And you can certainly feel that, but that's not something we generally advise because it would have consequences, even though it would be awesome. Yes. And it correct. Awesome. It's correct to and feel correct. that way and correct to do it, even though it's hard and you probably won't. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, until we reach, until you feel comfortable kicking down the door and throwing bricks, you can lie. Yeah. And I, I really think just saying something like vague, I would say lying will be difficult long term. And especially yeah, totally. if you if you choose uh, like, like don't go through your brain and be like, hmm, what disorder did I have? Oh, is it my thyroid or whatever? And then, like somebody else has a thyroid <laughs> yeah. problem. They're like, oh, dude, we're thyroid bros now. Let's talk thyroids. You know, don't fucking do that. Yeah. Then you're in trouble. And then you're just adding more stress to your life, which you don't need. Totally. Which is why I think vagueness is going to be the best. I think saying like, yeah, I was I was away for weeks for my health. I'm, I'm feeling better now to, be, to tell you the truth. I'm still I'm still transitioning back to work. I'll tell you all about it in like a few weeks when I'm when I'm kind of back, you know, mentally. Yeah, that's great. Totally punt it. It would be weird if people kept pressuring you or wanted more information. Really, it's the responsibility of the workplace to make this an easy transition for you. A transition. Yeah, a transition. I hope that you have a manager or supervisor that you trust to say, you know, I've been having a little bit of difficulty with the team. I think they are resentful that I've been gone during, you know, this urgent time. I could really use your backup to, uh, you know, help them understand that this was needed and I didn't do it on purpose sort of thing. I hope that it doesn't come to that. Um, and just based on the way that people are talking to us about the pandemic, I hope people will be understanding. Damn. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The context of the pandemic might make people a little more empathetic and understanding right. that that people have lives outside of work. That's that's a really interesting point, Trent. I hope that's true. I hope that you have someone on staff that can help set the tone. I hope you have some leadership on your side. But if you don't, you can still set the tone of the conversations that come up. 
You do not need to apologize. No apologies necessary. Yeah. You have nothing to apologize for. Taking care of your health is not a mistake or an error or a grievance. It's a need. It's necessary. You had to take care of yourself, and I'm really glad you did. I am too. And like I said, have some scripts to fall back on. That always makes me feel better. This is anecdotal statistic, but I would say maybe 50% of the time I end up not using an emergency break glass script. You right, know? right, right, right. But the fact that you have it, the fact that you can say, I took some leave because I really needed it. And that's all I want to say about it right now. You might not even need to use it, but you have it in your pocket. Absolutely. It may be that your coworkers are assholes and they might be assholes for a couple of weeks or something like that. I think that there's very little chance that that will happen. If you ever find yourself saying the words, I'm sorry, try and finish that phrase, I'm sorry, with, I'm sorry that management couldn't make your lives easier while I was on health leave. Yep. You know, that's that's great. Yep. You're not apologizing for taking leave. And don't apologize for taking leave, not just because that would just be incorrect. It is not your fault. And therefore saying I'm sorry is is incorrect. Also, like, don't give them that ammo. You know, don't let your and I man, I really hope your coworkers aren't the kind of people that this is ammo. I really hope that they're more reasonable than this. And I and I've been banking on the fact that they will be. But when you say I'm sorry, that indicates that you know you've done a grievance and you have not. Yeah, exactly. Don't even put the words in their mind. Something just came to me and it might not be relevant, but I hope it is. So you've been on leave for several weeks now, which great job. We're glad you did. Yeah. People have terrible memories, you know? Yeah. People might not associate like, oh man, we had to work overtime once because so-and-so was on leave. No, they had to work overtime once because the manager failed to to delegate. But um, anyway, beside the point, they probably won't connect stress with you because they shouldn't. You know, I'm really hoping that the fact that everyone is very self-centered and has very uh, busy and complicated lives, that they won't put any additional stress onto you. People don't make the same connections that you do because you're at the center of this worry. They're probably not even thinking about you. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, and people just have so many things in their mind. Uh, that's the other thing is that if your coworkers are a little icy to you, please, for a little while, make sure that you remember that, again, environmental damage. Everybody's cranky. And it could very well be. And I would say it is it is overwhelmingly probable that their iciness towards you is actually just that they're stressed out from the world. Um, yes, so, absolutely. So like try to remember that when you come in and you're like, oh, I feel like I don't fit in again. Well, one, you've been away for a while, so you need to transition back. Like that's that's a process over a few days, getting back into the groove sort of thing. People getting used to you being back and they're stressed out about other shit. They're stressed out about their kid who has a weird fever that they don't understand. They're stressed out about the giant liver cysts that their dad needs to get drained. You know, like they they have other worries that aren't you. Um, so try so hard. It's going to be so difficult because I can tell from your question that you do interpret people's feelings as being your failings, which, yo, I hope I'm glad you're working about on that in therapy because everybody's bad feelings are not your fault, dude. You're doing great. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's a that's a big one for me, too. One thing that maybe you can draw strength from, because I can tell you're one of those people that really wants to do right by everyone. That's exhausting. I, I know. But maybe you can draw some strength from the fact that your leave the fact that you took leave and took some time and took time off work to take care of yourself, that might have ripple effects that are good for the company, that yeah. are good for the people. There might be someone struggling on staff that saw you do the work of working with leadership to take time off. It might be like, wait, that's an option. Now I can do that. Like this might be a really good thing 
but your brain's not letting you see the good of, of the fact that you did something good. You know, yeah. your brain's being pretty mean to you right now. But try to explore the possibility that, oh man, I did something good and progressive and correct for myself. And I'm personally choosing to believe that there's someone that noticed that and is taking better care of themselves. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that possibility. The world, I almost said like your job needs you at your best, but who cares? You know, the world needs you, you know, the yeah. world wants you around. We want you around and we want you to take care of yourself. Trent and I are more important than any, any one of your coworkers. Oh God, 100%. I mean, <laughs> we don't even, we don't know them, which means that they're not important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't, we don't care about people we don't know. <laughs> That's us. That's the overwhelming headline here. <laughs> Jen, um, I would like to spin a yarn real quick and see if it works, if that's okay. Do it up. Do it up. But our last pandemic, this, the Spanish flu was fucking rough and we didn't have the Internet and we did not have modern mental health care. And, you know, people went out of that hugely traumatized on like a mass scale. And I know that that's generational, like, you know, like wars are generational trauma um, because it's not just people going off to war it's people coming back and, and, you know, uh, not having the mental health coverage that they need sort of thing. My hope for this pandemic is that more people will act like the asker because, you know, we can't stop bad shit from happening. We can't. I mean, you know, weird cataclysms are going to happen. Our our planet is alive. There are volcanoes on it, plate tectonics, earthquakes. They're they're not going to stop happening. But the way that we as humanity bounces back from those things can change and has, you know, uh, the fact that my uh, my mental health, my therapy, I mean, you know, obviously having insurance is almost a rarity in America and this sucks. But my therapy's free and over Zoom right now through my insurance because they're like, you know what, it sucks right now and we need people to be in therapy. So even the most evil of organizations, a health insurance company in America who would deny any claim just to not pay out is actually paying for people's therapy because that's how important it is to have a mentally healthy population that can become a community that can help one another. So I cannot overstate how much of a favor you do for the world when you actually take time to recover. Because once again, you can't stop trauma, but you can recover from it. And if we take that time to grieve, if we take that time to mourn, we will end up being a society that can be resilient and that can be flexible. Um, so ultimately, uh, you're a thought leader, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And you're, you know that silly phrase, be the change you want to see, blah, blah, blah. It's yeah. pretty cool when you do it. It really is. And then I know we say this over and over again. I know I said this already twice this episode, but one functioning kind person makes a difference. I don't know. I don't know how else to shout that, but it it's true. Anyway, it is true. But this has been Friendshiping with Jen and Trin. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at do friendship at Trin and Tonic at Jen Dangerous with two N's. If you would like to send us a question, it can be like a general question, like our first question. It can be a specific question, like our second question. We are finding places for both of those questions on our show. Friendshippingpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Ian Parman for editing. Actually, especially thank you to Ian Parman for editing because we've had extra long episodes these past few weeks because Jen and I never see each other or other people. This is mostly our human interaction. So you are just here while we hang out. Yay! (laughs) Thank you to Monica Verma for being our agent, um, who also kicked special ass this week, by the way. Thank you to Lauren Gallagher, whose Animal Crossing uh, little avatar is adorable. Thank you to Molly Lewis for singing our theme song. Uh, thank you. Who, yeah, Molly, if you're on Animal Crossing, hit me up. Thank you to who else do we think? Oh, Alex Cox, our podfather and audio daddy at a distance for making our studio work that we don't use. But we love you anyway. 
Um, <laughs> and I think that's everyone, right? Oh, thank you for listening. You're welcome for talking. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. Sorry, I forgot. That's how it goes. <laughs> you friendship at the problem. I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This, this is friendshiping. And the theme this week is... Oh, hold on. I dropped my headphone. Oh, no. Well, that's okay, sweetie. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> do you want to do it again? Yes, yes. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs>